chapter 11 as well. Mark chapter 11 and verse 22. This is the second and final lesson on this series, The Power of Faith. And Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. And from Hebrews 11, it says, but without faith, it is impossible. Everybody say impossible. impossible. To please God. For he that <clears throat> comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Let me ask you this question rhetorically speaking tonight. Just take, take a personal inventory tonight with me for just a moment. How big is your faith? Like, if you were to classify it, again, you don't have to, please don't shout out a number. Uh, on a scale from 1 to 10, with 10 being the biggest, would you rank somewhere at closer to 1 in the middle or at the top? How big is your faith? And you know, our measurement is by how long we're willing to continue believing God for a miracle, even when it seems like it's way past the expiration date of that promise. Because here's a secret you probably know. Miracles and promises do not have an expiration date when they come from God. Now, if they come from me, they do, because I forget a lot of things. Thankfully, I've got a wife that reminds me of things. You said you do this. Oh, when did I say that? <laughs> and so... If we as humans have expiration dates on our promises, but God does not. And if he did, then we would have no hope for a resurrection because that promise was given nearly 2,000 years ago, was it not? That he said, I'm going to come back for my church, and yet we haven't realized that promise yet. Furthermore, it is impossible to please God except by faith. That is literally the only way. That you will ever please God. I've heard people say, well, you know, I have to, I have to get cleaned up because I want to get my act right in order to, to come to church and, and, and start walking the Christian life. That's not the right attitude to have. Because no matter how much you clean up your act and no matter how much you try, it will never, ever please God. If you were to live the cleanest life on the planet, and in your mind, you never made a bad mistake and you never sinned, which would be impossible. But theoretically, if it were possible, that would still not please God because that's works. Only faith pleases God. It's impossible. God cannot be impressed by human ability. We are impressed with human ability, with how fast people can run. You know, the Olympics is getting ready to, to start shortly. And you're going to be impressed as world records are broken and, and people do great things. That impresses us, but it does not impress God. God's not impressed with our skills or our intellect or wisdom or riches or our family origin. If you are related to the Queen of England, I'd like to shake your hand tonight. But that does not impress God any. Because in, in with, with no disrespect to any dignitary or to the Queen of England, but... But in God's eyes, all have sinned, and we are all sinners that have come short of the glory of God. 
Only faith gets to God. And God is no respecter of persons, but he is a respecter of faith. 2 Kings 7 tells the story of four lepers sitting at the gate waiting to die. They were lepers. You know what a leper is. Uh, A leper was the first masked person long before COVID ever came about. They were masking long before then, and they were called lepers. And it was a horrible disease that ate up parts of your body. And and I'm not going to describe it to you because I don't make anybody sick. But you know what a leper is. And and, uh, in those days, and under the law of Moses, they were considered unclean. So they were not allowed to come near people. And when they did come within a certain vicinity of somebody, they would have to cry, unclean, 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 to let them know that I'm unclean. I've got leprosy. So one of them came out with this crazy idea. The Syrians are getting ready to to annihilate us. There's a famine behind us in the city. And so we really don't have a place to go. So there's, there's hundreds of thousands of Syrians and four little lepers. And one of them said, why don't we go attack the Assyrians? Now that's a crazy idea, if ever I did hear of one. And you know what? Faith has sometimes a lot of crazy ideas that we would deem crazy with our understanding, but not with God. But as they took that one little step of faith, you know, you probably know the rest of the story. You know, God, God allowed those four lepers to sound like a whole host of armies that were much bigger. And they were able to move right in uh, and do a great work there. There were many poor widows in the days of Elijah. But only one had faith. There were many lepers in Israel, but only Naaman the Syrian received his healing. There were two thieves on the cross, but only one went to Jesus with, to paradise that day. Jesus sat and ate in the, and drank in the house of Simon, who was a leper. Simon probably knew of his miracles. Jesus had cleansed many lepers prior to that, even if what's recorded in, in, in the Gospels. There are dozens of lepers that were cleansed and healed. And yet, Simon probably knew of them. And we know that there were others that probably are not recorded. And yet, Simon did not have the faith to ask him for healing. We go to the physicians for a diagnosis when we're sick. Pharmacies to get medicine. We look to our political leaders, Congress and the Senate and the White House to help out the economy so that we can live prosperously. And to pass legislation that will be good for the economy so that we can have all of our needs and our wants met. We look to the police to keep us safe at night. And yet we say we depend upon God for everything. But do we really? Isn't it more appropriate to say that we depend on God for some things and not everything? Because if you really depended on God for everything, you, uh, not just you, but all of us would have much bigger faith than we do. The American way of life in our prosperous democratic system is a rife place for faith to wither up and die. Because faith often flourishes where there are obstacles and there are problems and there are issues and challenges And health scares. That's the grounds upon which faith really grows. We want strong faith 
but we don't want God to put us to put more weights on our barbell. How much do we really depend on God if we're honest? And the answer would be we depend on God probably for very little of our day-to-day activities. So you may be here tonight listening to this and thinking of a specific miracle you need from God. And indeed, if that need was met, it would be a miracle because only God can do it. Last week, we spoke about the waiting room and how sometimes God puts us in the waiting room and he, and he says, okay, I want you to sit here for a while, be patient, be still, and wait for me to work. But not only does God have a waiting room, he also has another room that he puts us in, and that's called the training room. You ever had a good personal trainer? Because I promise you, a good personal trainer will make you cry. Some of these, you know, big, bulky bodybuilders, they didn't get that way on their own. They got that way because they were tired and exhausted, and that personal trainer said, do 10 more reps. And they did it, they did it until tears rolled down their cheeks. And that's how they won contests. That's how winning is done. And so the waiting room is where we wait patiently and be still while God works, but the training room is when God puts on us it was when God puts weights on us that feel too big for us to lift. And let me tell you this, if you've ever lifted weights, God is an excellent spotter. You know what a spotter is. So whenever, whenever you're lifting weights, especially whenever you're doing bench presses, and, and you have that big weight, and, and, and you, you, know, you put more weights on both sides, you might be lifting 200 pounds, and maybe you've never left, lifted that much before. And, and if you're smart... You're not going to try to do it on your own. You get a spotter, somebody that's going to be there just in case you drop it. And, and they're there to help, to help you along. So that's kind of what God does. He helps us with our infirmities and our weaknesses. Furthermore, faith declares God's word in spite of how we feel and in spite of what you see and in spite of the facts. From Exodus 15 and 26 and said, if thou wilt diligently hearken unto the voice of the Lord your God, and will do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments, and keep all of his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon you which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth you. Furthermore, Psalms 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. We got a song that we sing that says that. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities, we got no problems with that. But then he says this, who heals all thy diseases. Philippians 4.19, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Do we really believe these things? Or do we believe that God heals some things and not all of them? And that God answers some prayers and not all of them? You may say, but I prayed and God didn't heal me, or I didn't get my miracle yet. Then welcome to God's training room. Where faith grows and children become warriors. Do you have the faith to keep speaking it and keep declaring it and keep believing it in spite of the facts? Because you know what happens uh, to muscles after they're not used for a period of time. No matter how big your muscles are, if you go for a period of time without using your muscles, they become mushels. 
A muscle is when is a muscle that's turned to mush. Because <laughs> you haven't used it in a long time. And that's what happens whenever, you know, we're kind of, you know, cruising down life and nothing has happened bad for a while. And suddenly we find ourselves not really dependent on God for a lot of things because we've got it all figured out and everything's going great. And suddenly we have mushy faith because it hasn't been exercised. But faith has to keep speaking things in spite of what you feel. I still believe he's a healer. Even if he doesn't heal me right now. I still believe he will. Even if he doesn't now. If I go to my grave and I die of this. I believe that one day I'm going to get up out of that grave. And he's going to heal me then. But either way, whether by now or by default in the resurrection. He's a healing God. And he's going to heal me of all my diseases. Why did God require Naaman to dip seven times in the muddy Jordan River? There were other and better rivers to dip in. Certainly not that ugly, muddy Jordan River. Why did God require Israel to march around the walls of Jericho for seven days without seeing any sort of results or even hint that God was working? Why did God require Israel to eat bread in the wilderness for 40 years with only the promise of a land flowing with milk and honey? Why did God make Abraham wait for over 20 years for the promise of a son in his old age and to wait beyond the point at which Sarah, his wife, could ever even bear a son. There was only one logical reason, and it was to build their faith. Because God has a training room. How does faith grow? By being exercised like a muscle. As I said, muscles can turn into mushels when they're not used. But our faith turns mushy whenever we don't exercise it like it should. Faith that is strong in God is faith that is often exercised. Don't despise the weights that God lays on you. They aren't there to destroy you, but they're there to build you up and to make you strong. Because you know what a weight is? A weight is something that seems like it's too heavy for you. Now, if you're in the weight room and... You can lift that weight a hundred times. Guess what? The weight's too little. You need to tragically or drastically increase. Tragically too, probably. Size of that weight. If you start off with 10 pounds and you can do that a hundred times, you can curl that pound a hundred times, then you need to go up to 30. And, you know, one, one thing that, that professional bodybuilders will tell you is, is that it's called time under tension. That's what builds the weights up. It, or builds muscles. And what that means is that a lot of guys when, or a lot of girls when they'll lift, you know, they'll give their arms a rest and then they'll lift up like this and then it rests here at the top. But the ideal is to keep it under tension at all times like this so that your arm is not resting. And sometimes that's what it feels like in God's training room. It seems like the pressure is constant and always there on you. Remember, time under tension is what builds, is what breaks down that, that muscle. That's how... That's how strength is built up. Whenever, whenever, you're, whenever you're trying to get in shape, you do that. Your body does that by breaking down the muscle. And then it uses the protein that you naturally eat to build up that muscle again, stronger than it was before. And so a lot of the things are there to break us down. Paul said, I've been cast down, but I haven't been destroyed. So God is not here to destroy you. 
but he might break you down a little bit. And that's how faith is built. Israel was not destroyed in the wilderness. Rather, they were made into warriors that would conquer their promised land. And you can absolutely see that they were not ready to march into their promised land as soon as they came out of Egypt. You know, after they had seen that great miracle of the Red Sea parting and they went across on dry ground. And scripture says they were only just like what the very next chapter they were grumbling and complaining because there was no water. There was no food. You brought us out here to die. Where was their faith? Well, it was mushy. It wasn't, it wasn't strong. But God did not destroy them, but he did put them in the furnace. He did, he did break them down to build them up again. God has not led you to this place to destroy you. He wants to build up your faith. He wants you to speak his word in spite of how you feel and in spite of the facts. Isaiah 42 says this, I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. Behold, the former things are come to pass, and new things I declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. Let me ask you this, what right now are you declaring today in this season in your life? What kind and types of things are you declaring for you, for your family, for your kids, for your marriage, for your spouse, for your ministry, for your career? For your church, what are you declaring right now? Because words are declarations. And you know what happens whenever we grumble and complain about everything is those complaints become declarations. And it, 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 it destroys our faith. Israel did a lot of complaining in the wilderness. They declared their enemy was too strong for them. And they were right. Remember whenever they came to Canaan the first time? And 10 of the spies came back with a bad report, 2 came back with a good report, and who do they believe? The grumblers, the complainers, the ones who lacked faith. We can't do it. And you know what? They were right. If you believe you can, you're right. If you believe you can't, you're right. That's a general principle that even without God, people in the world understand. But yet with Christ. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth. Who does what? Strengtheneth me. Amen. When we get weak in the flesh and we depend on the Spirit of God in our lives, that's where the Spirit, the spiritual man is built up inside of us and faith grows. Instead, you should be declaring victory and faith and healing and declaring that He's a providing. And declaring the providing power of God. Because we are sick with an illness in the American church. It's called a lack of faith. Our prosperous way of life has created mushy faith muscles. Look with me to James chapter 1 and verse 6. Where the apostle said, But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything from the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. A double-minded man is one that is the same type of man that prays but doesn't really have faith that God is going to hear him. A lack of faith makes us waver in our mindset. Will God come and help me? Will God come through or will he not? 
And that man, James says, is unstable in his walk. You ever seen an eight-month-old take its first step for the first time? Those fat little legs, probably in a diaper. It's so cute, and they take maybe one step, and what happens? They fall. They waver. But eventually, you know, they, they get stronger. And, but, but at first, they don't have balance. They don't, their legs aren't very strong yet. And over the process of time, they get stronger, and they can walk, and eventually they can run, and they're running all over the place, and you can't catch them when you wish that they were crawling again because you, you're getting exercise at the same time that they are. What do you call an eight-month-old that's learning to walk and loses their balance and falls? We call that cuteness. What do you call an 18-year-old who does the same? We call that disabled. And there are many people in their spiritual walk with God who are disabled because they don't have faith and they waver in their mindset and as such they waver in their walk. They're wavering. You know, we have special parking spaces for those that are disabled. And I'm not making fun. It's, it's just, I'm, great, I'm glad that we can do that. But for those that, that aren't able to walk, we have special spaces. And you know what? There's special care that's required for Christians that take up the church resources for Christians who have, who have been in, no, I'm not talking about new Christians, but people that have been in it a long time and just haven't learned how to walk the walk of faith. They just haven't, they haven't got it yet. Their faith is mushy and their, and their faith is wavering. When they pray to God, they don't have faith that God's really going to answer it. But as far as I can tell, there are two reasons why we need bigger faith in the church right now. And first of all, it is to combat the spirit of the Antichrist. Because whether or not you realize it, I'm sure you do, there is the spirit of the Antichrist that is being exponentially increased in our age right now. Now, it's been around for a long time. Matter of fact, John wrote in his epistle in the first century that the spirit of the Antichrist has already come. He said, even now, many Antichrists are come. And in that day, in that age, it was sowing discord and heresy, heretical doctrines in the church. Um, he said, any spirit that doesn't confess that Jesus has come in the flesh, that Jesus is the Messiah, and that he's already came in the flesh, is an Antichrist. We had a doctrine years ago called the Divine Flesh Doctrine. And the Divine Flesh Doctrine was a teaching uh, that, that Jesus did not have human flesh. He wasn't a member of the human race. Uh, instead, he had some godlike divine flesh, and he, he wasn't a member of the race of Adam. And, 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 of course, you know, there's people that taught that doctrine. I don't know if they still teach it, but there was people that, needed, that told you, you needed to get re-baptized. I had a guy tell me that years ago. It was in the, I guess, mid-90s. You need to get re-baptized whenever you, you confess this doctrine. That's how strong the teaching was. And that was an Antichrist doctrine because if he didn't come in the flesh, he can't die in the flesh. If he was, uh, that's, you know, what the Gnostics believed in the first century church was that he was like a phantom type of spirit and he wasn't really in the flesh. He was just, he wasn't really, he didn't have flesh, a flesh and bone body. But if he didn't come in the flesh, then he can't die in the flesh. If he can't die, he can't be raised on the third day. And then there's no gospel. So you see where that natural leads to. So that was in the first century church. But now it's a different type of spirit. And there's always going to be heretical doctrines. But now we are seeing the Antichrist 
spirit increasing in the world at an exponential rate. You know, some people call it globalism, where you know, it sounds good, you know, open borders and one world government, and we're all going to have one, one currency, and there's not going to be any wars, and there's not going to be any more poverty. But you know what also it sounds like? Let us build us a tower whose top may reach unto heaven. We want a world without God. They had just been wiped out by the flood. And they they were saying, we want a tower so high that even God can't wipe us away. That's what they were saying. And the world has been saying that ever since then. That's the spirit of the Antichrist. And the church faith muscles has to be strong. As the Antichrist spirit is increasing, we must also increase our faith to combat that spirit or we will be swept away with the wind and the chaff. And secondly, I believe the reason why we need bigger faith is because of the great end time harvest that God still has in store for us as a church. I think we're seeing it, a little bit of it, but I don't think we've seen even close to where it's going to be yet. What God is going to do in the last day is going to be bigger than any church. It's going to be bigger than any man. God's not going to have superstars in the last day. You know, he's, nobody's going to be walking around signing people's Bibles and autographs. But God is going to use those who make themselves available to him and will live a holy life and come out from among them and be separate. There is an end time harvest. And we've got to have faith to believe God for that. Amen. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, when I was a child, I spake, I understood as a child. I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. Now, there is a time to be a kid. There's a time to, remember when you were a kid, did you ever make a fort in the living room with chairs and a cover? Some of you think, I just did that yesterday. (laughs) If you got small kids, you did that. Years ago, we used to have guys' night, and it was just where we would sit, and Tiny got, got banned to, to, to the bedroom, quote-unquote banned. It was time away for her. And, uh, and, and we would make brownies and eat ice cream and play games, and we would build a fort in the living room and sleep, sleep on the floor or a mat- sleep on the floor in a mattress. And we just had fun. We call it, we call it guys' night. You know, there were just kids then, little bitty kids. Um, and oh, what fun we had doing that! Now we don't have a go. We don't do that anymore, guys' night. Although we do still make brownies. <laughs> we make a lot of brownies now. And now our guys' nights are a lot more expensive. <laughs> we got to take them out to Longhorns now. It's lay down a hundred bucks. <laughs> oh Lord! But there's a time to be a kid. There's a time to watch Veggie Tales. Vegetales. And as a parent, some of those movies, kid movies, you see it so many times, you're sick of it. Like, you know, what was it? Thomas the Train? Oh, oh, JJ the Jet Plane. He had one video. That was JJ the Jet. This was Luke. Just one. You, You have no idea. It was like purgatory for me. For all of us, me and Tanya, every day. And it was Fiddler on the Roof. He knew every song in that three-hour musical. (laughs) Luke, he would sing it. 
and uh, he would wave his arms like he did, you know, like that actor did when they in that one song, and, and his, just in his diapers, he did that. There's a time to do that, to be a kid. There's a time to sleep in until 10 o'clock and not have to worry about life. Oh, to be a kid again. To not have a care in the world. There's a time to eat dinosaur chicken nuggets dipped in ketchup and not have to worry about gaining weight <laughs> or what it's going to do to your body. There's a time to put soda or juice in their sippy cup. You may not do that. I don't know. Hopefully you don't do it too much. But there's a time where they don't have to worry about that for most kids. But there's a time when you've got to get serious about life. If you're 18 years old and you're still eating dinosaur chicken nuggets and drinking out of a sippy cup, then you probably have a developmental disorder. And again, not making fun, just stating a fact. And that's the way it is. And you know what? God does not want his kids to have developmental disorders where, where we are stopped in our faith. Because here's, here's the truth of it all, is that your progress in Christ is directly related to your growth in faith. It cannot be separated. God has a process to grow us, just as there's a process of natural growth. Infant, baby, toddler, kid, adolescent, teenager, young adult, and then full-grown adult. And there's a process that we do life by. We go to we graduate from high school, we go to college, we get married, we have kids, we start a career. Maybe not all in that order with everybody, but Something like that. That's generally how the order generally goes with, with a lot of people. And, and we work for 30 plus years and we retire with a little nest egg and a, maybe a pension. And we call that our golden years. That's the process of life. That's the process of growth. There are things that I was interested in when I was 14 years old and I'm not interested now. We had Nintendo video games. And, you know, I look, at, I look at the video games we have now. Anybody remember Baseball Nintendo that came out in the mid-'80s? It was like a little bitty blobs. <laughs> and a little bitty, it was a blob. And it made this doot, doot, doot noise as he was running from first to second. Doot, 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 doot. And uh, it was just real, real simple stuff. And we thought that was state-of-the-art, man. And compared to what the kids have now, that would, they would play that for about... 0. 0.40 seconds <laughs> and be bored out of their minds with it. But there's a process of life. And so as you grow in God, the things that you become interested in later on in your walk with God are not the things that you once should be interested in when you first started out in your walk with God. You should be more serious in your walk with God and, and more serious about the things of God, more serious in your mindset and your approach to the things of the Lord, in your worship, for example. You should be more serious in your involvement in the kingdom of God uh, and in ministry, both in and out of the church. You should be more serious in your giving, again, both in and out of the church, because there's more ways to give than just to the church. Amen. And sometimes we leave off that, but the Bible does say to do good, especially to those that are of the household of faith. So we can help each other. We can help people out in the world. There's a process of growth. And as I said, our process of spiritual growth is directly related to our level of faith. Spiritual difficulties nearly always precede a time of intense spiritual growth. And 
intense spiritual growth nearly always precedes a time of intense and greater anointing. I hope you remember that because it is 1,000% true. And so you may be here tonight, you may be saying, what in the world is God doing to me right now? I've got all these problems. Welcome to the training room. Because if you are in a time of intense spiritual growth, or if you're in a time of intense struggle and difficulty, then that is a time of great growth. Most growth happens in incremental steps. That's the process. But where it comes, but this particular season, you know, you because children will reach an age where they'll grow seven feet in like two days. You buy teenagers clothes, and two days later, they're growing out of it. If you got teenagers, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, they just, you know, they grow like really fast. Like, what in the world? I just bought these pants for you a month ago, and you've already grown out of them. That's, that's the season where God puts us in sometimes. I mean, sometimes it's like, man, is that kid going to grow? He's the same. looks like he's the same size as he was two years ago. He's about the same height. But the growth has been so incremental, you don't realize it. But then there comes a season where God puts us in where it's like, boom. It's just intense, and it's lots of growth that happens, and you don't even know it's happening. You don't see it because only God does. All you see is the struggle. Whenever you're lifting weights, you don't always know what it's doing to your body, but you can feel it the next day. If you've ever worked out, you know what leg day is. It's painful. (laughs) If somebody said, if you can walk out to your car right, then you haven't done leg day right. (laughs) Because you break those muscles down where you can barely walk and sit down the next day. Two days later, it's worse. The third day, it's awful. And then the fourth day starts to get better. And then you go back to the gym eventually when it's not when they're not sore anymore. And you say, man, the, the weight I lifted last week isn't so much of a problem now. We don't see it because all we see is the pain. We don't know what's happening inside of us. But God does. And that's how growth happens. That's how faith is built. When God puts us in these training rooms and things are difficult and they're hard and it's a season of intense spiritual growth. And, but as soon as God has accomplished the growth comes a heavier anointing. And with that heavier anointing, we begin to reach out and expand and be greater and more effective in God's kingdom. And that's what it was about all along. It was never about us. It was always about the kingdom of God. There are some childish ways that you have to lay down. He said, when I became a man, I put away childish things. Complaining is a childish thing that you have to put down. Kids complain a lot, in case you haven't noticed. You ever tried to get somewhere with the kid that was impatient? What's that one question they ask a million times? (laughs) when are we going to get there or are we there yet how much longer I've got to go potty every 10 seconds they're just bored I have to go potty well they probably do maybe they do I don't know they're just bored when are we going to get there they're impatient because impatience or complaining is a sign of impatience It's hot, it's cold, I'm to this, I'm to that, I'm in pain, blah, blah, blah. You know, the list goes long. Stop complaining because complaints are declarations. Put away childish things. What's the power of faith? 
it is an immeasurable resource. Two men, as, as we stand, I'm, because I'm, I'm done tonight. Two men, one saw armies surrounding them. There was a prophet and a servant. And Elijah didn't see what his servant saw, did he? His servant saw all the armies, the physical armies that were around them. But Elijah saw the armies of heaven surrounding them. One saw through the eyes of faith and one saw through the eyes of facts. The facts were, without question and undoubtedly, that there were hundreds of thousands of people there that were there to take them and kill them. That's the facts. As we learned last week, facts aren't very trustworthy. They're just not. And sometimes in seasons where things are difficult and you pray for a word and God does not give you one. But you know what? But you know what you can do in those seasons? You can pick up that Bible and you can find you a word about your situation. And you can bank your faith on that. And as you begin to declare those promises that are written in his word, your faith will begin to grow. That's, that's how faith is built. You know, it's like when God puts weights on us that are too hard to bear, and they press down on our chest. And what do we do? We push it back up to God. And then the next day, it, it feels heavy again. And I'm struggling again in my faith. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to find my prayer room in my Bible, and I'm going to push it back up to God. And I'm going to keep doing it knowing that he's never going to let me down. That's how faith is built. God is depending on us as a church as we begin to reach a season of exponential spiritual growth that will precede a season where we will physically grow. God is getting us ready for what he has going to prepare for us. And we must be faithful in the waiting room and in the training room. Let's lift our hands right now to God. Oh, I feel the presence of the Lord in this place. Maybe maybe you're feeling something right now that you need to push up to God. Lord, I've been bearing this all day. I've been worried about this all week. I need to find an altar because I need to push this back up to you again. Amen. Come on, one more rep is, might be all that it takes. But if it's not, I'm going to keep pushing it back up to God every day. Would you come? Would you find a place to talk to God tonight? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.